Hallelujah. Look at you. Hallelujah. A lot of you made it to church, even though there was some snow on the ground. How many of you had snow at your house? These are the brave ones. Praise the Lord. That's good. Do you think they'll have beating any snow when you get back home? No. Already warming up, huh? Hey, I want to confirm on the fast. We're seeing two different graphics, uh, and so we apologize. We've got two different graphics showing up. So I think the one that just showed on the projection said January 8th, but your book is right. Your book says January 9th. It actually starts on Monday. Now, the reason we wanted to do that as well is we wanted to give you enough time to prepare. prepare. And the reason we're giving out books today is to give you enough time to prepare as well. So we know that it takes a little bit of time to prepare uh, your your kitchen, your cabinets, your cupboards. Um, and next Sunday, we're going to have a little bit of a Daniel Fast Fair. So as you come in, we'll have things set up. Uh, we're going to have food items. We're going to—I think we're serving food after service as well. But we're going to have. Uh, we're going to have some menus to send home with you. Uh, we're also going to be giving away three complete meals for a family of four kind of a thing. So some fun stuff going on next week. So as you exit next week, uh, that will all be happening. So, But we want you to have the book so you can start going through the book, looking through the spiritual part, the practical part, uh, all of the, all of the, the elements that are involved in the Daniel fast. Amen? So um, how many of you excited about this? A uh, couple of you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lonnie gently raises his hand. Yeah, I know. It's good. I, You know, I, it, it's hard for me. Uh, I, you know, uh, I know some of you heard me talk about this before, but I usually gain weight on the Daniel fast. I don't know. I, I don't know how I do it. It's probably because I'm thinking, you know, there's no meat in this food. I should eat double. You know, I don't know what happens, but I, instead of losing weight, I gain weight. So we'll see what happens this year. But uh, it's a great time uh, to really dive in spiritually, and that's, that's really what it's all about. Uh, our book this year for the Daniel Fast is, is going to be called The Jesus Fast. So this is the new book by Lou Engel, and uh, this book will light your fire spiritually. Uh, it is so good. He quotes uh, several other authors, obviously, and, and references a lot of revival history. And, uh, but it's so powerful, and it will really fuel you with an expectation as you join into the fast. It will get your heart lifted also just about pursuing God and, um, and, and running after the Lord with all of your heart. So the, the Jesus Fast, uh, we've ordered a slew of these from the publishers. So they will be in this week. So next week we'll just kind of do a show of hands kind of a thing. Bring a $10 bill with you. Or get an extra envelope when you come and just fill it out for $10. Because we'll probably do like a show of hands. You'll just raise your hand. And then we'll bring you a book, and you'll hand us a $10 bill or an offering envelope. So uh, we were able to pick them up discounted from the publisher. That was really cool. And so we got a lot of those coming, and that's going to be fun. Amen? Um, something else you know, I should say about the fast. 
you know, we, we post stuff on Facebook. I tell Byron, we're, we're so dangerous on Facebook because, you know, we put these things out there on Facebook and then we allow people to comment on them. And so we get some real weirdies commenting on some of this stuff, you know. And I'm like, Byron, I don't know if we should allow this. And, oh, no, this is part of social dialogue. This is really cool. Oh, really? That's what it is. Oh, okay. So, you know, so we're posting, I, you know, we're posting about the Daniel Fast and about the summit, you know. And so some guy comes on, you know, and he's like, you know, if you think that you've got to fast, you know. And he's just going off on all this, so. So I gently typed in, dear brother, I don't think you know what we believe. You know, because he thinks, he thinks that we're fasting to somehow get some position with God. You know, to somehow earn something with God. How many of you know we already have position with God? So I'm like, I don't think you've been to our church. So we're not fasting to get with God. We're fasting because we are with God. We're fasting because we're one with God. We're, we're knit to God. But we do want to hear him better. We do want to set aside some stuff so that we can. And I tell you, I, many of you don't know, but this last year I went on a 21-day water fast only. Uh, and I'm telling you, there is something very, very powerful about putting aside some of the elements that are legal for us in, in life. Uh, there's, there's something powerful about that. And... Uh, I sensed some of my natural, some of my natural uh, wants, desires, uh, distractions, just kind of shutting down. They, they actually just kind of shut down, and my focus was much more Godward. I was able to harness a Godward focus so that I could hear Him well. I was thinking coming into today, uh, but this is not the message. But I was thinking about Numbers 22, and I was thinking about our fast and, and about how all of this has affected me over the years and how it's affected many of you because many of you have had crazy, awesome, amazing breakthrough testimonies out of your fasting. And so I was thinking about uh, Numbers 22, 23, 24. Some of you are familiar with the passage. But it's where Balak contracted with, tried to contract with Balaam, to curse Israel. So uh, he was really upset that, you know, the Israelites had come, come out and uh, they were a vast uh, group of people and he was fearful. And so he sends emissaries to Balaam, uh, who is a prophet. And he sends emissaries to him and he's like, you know, we want you to come and curse these people. If you curse these people, then we know we won't have any trouble with them. And so if you start in chapter 22, you see this dialogue going on where Balaam's like, he heard from the Lord, but then did he really hear? Right? And there's this two or three things where, you know, did he hear? He heard, and God spoke, and he's supposed to bless these people, but mm, they're going to pay him if he curses them. Wherever money gets involved sometimes, you know, and so there's this deliberation that goes on. So finally, he's like, maybe I should just go and meet with him, right? And this is where he gets on the donkey, and he, he's headed there. And the Lord knows that his motive is, the word in Numbers 22 says, his motive is perverted. His motive is not right. 
So the Lord's reading that something's wrong in his heart. And so an angel of the Lord stands before the donkey, right? So then he scrapes his leg on the wall, and then the donkey falls over on him, you know, and he's whacking the donkey. Was it a donkey? Was it a camel? Was it a mule? It was a donkey. And so the Lord opens the mouth of the donkey, right? And the donkey's talking to him. Is this normal for me to do this to you? No, I guess not. And then his eyes are open, and he sees the angel of the Lord. So there's something special about uh, there's something special about a consecrated time, about a fast, uh, setting aside other things that are even legal and uh, even appropriate uh, for us, and 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 just saying, God, you're you're my meat. This is what Daniel was doing in Daniel chapter ten. You're my meat. You're my sweets. You're my wine. You're my ointment. You're my everything. Uh, and this is what we're going to be embarking on starting next Monday. Amen? Father, we welcome you to just bathe this body with an expectation of goodness from you. We welcome you to bathe every member, to touch, to overshadow every one of us with an expectation of goodness from you. That we will hear things that will be clear and that our hearts will be purified from impure motives that our hearts will be ready to listen, that we'll embark on things in this season in the communion realm with you that set us on a, a course for 2017 that will be special, that will be set apart, that will be unique, that will be right in the center. Our hearts our hearts are that we would be right in the center of your will, that we would be hearing from you well, hearing divinely, hearing Jesus sing over us the testimony of the saving one, the representative, the testimony of the redeeming one. We want his voice to be clear. And we welcome, welcome this time before you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. I want to talk to you about hope this morning as the anchor of the soul. I haven't had a lot of experience with anchors, um, but I'm imagining some of you uh, have, have been in situations where you've needed an anchor. Uh, we, we, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading about an anchor because in Hebrews chapter six it says that hope is an anchor to the soul, and so now that's now now the Bible's talking right up my alley because I like to learn and think a lot about the soul, the mind, will, emotions, and reasoning, the imagination. Where can your where can your soul go if it doesn't have an anchor? Where can your soul go if it doesn't have an anchor? And so I'm reading about how anchors aren't necessarily effective because of their weight, but they're effective because of the way they grip into the mud or the sand or the surface of the, the floor, the bottom of the water, the way they grip. And then the way they're tethered they're tethered off for a bit, and so you have to set the anchor 
right and well so that it holds you in a particular place, but it's grip into the foundation. It's grip into the, the bottom of the body of water. And you've seen some of these anchors that have like a, you know, like a spreading jaw almost. And, and the way they dig into the ground, the Bible says that hope is an anchor to the soul. Hope is an anchor to the soul. And we might see or say then that, that despair comes from not having an anchor. And the anchor that we're talking about means that uh, 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 the, this anchor is into a foundation or it's into to something that, that will hold us, right? And so the Bible's telling us that hope, that hope, that hope will grip into God's Word. Hope will grip into the promises of God in such a way that will hold us. Earth, earthy, natural hope. Most of us in this room were at one time unbelievers. Yes? Earthy, and I, and I would venture to say that during that time when you were an unbeliever, before you came to the Lord, you had some level of hope activated in your life, some level of hope going on. But from what we understand about earthly, natural hope, earthly natural hope is the expectation, by definition, Webster's and others, the expectation of a positive outcome, the expectation of good things. But earthly hope has no foundation. So it's really hard for earthly hope to get a grip it's really hard for earthly hope to really hold you in the midst of a storm. It's more of a phrase. It's more of a, it's more of a, the, uh, it's more semantics. It's more speech. It's more, again, just a mental attitude than it is a deep assurance and actually a spiritual stability. Biblical hope is actually a spiritual power, a spiritual element a spiritual force at work within you because of the promises of God that you're holding on to. It actually grips into something that is foundational, something that will hold you no matter what's happening all around you. The storm can be raging. The winds can be blowing. Everything can be pushing you off of a navigational site. But if you're anchored, then your soul doesn't have to reflect all of that turmoil. Biblical hope is an anchor to your soul. You follow what I'm saying? I want to read you the passage. Let's read it out of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. We'll try to go there. We have, and I'm going to pick it up at, uh, I guess it is 19. I started mine at 18, but we're going to pick it up as 19. We have... This hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's crazy. I heard Diane praying about show us behind the curtain. 
show us the inner sanctuary behind the curtain in pre-service prayer. Isn't it cool how sometimes our songs, you just don't know how often our songs, our prayers are led by the Holy Spirit morning after morning, week after week. God is leading us, orchestrating things together, things we would have never put together in our own agenda. God just puts them together. He just oversees our agenda. He's so sweet. See, Jesus has entered into the inner sanctuary behind the veil to represent us and to, on behalf of mankind, give us victory over death, hell, the grave, sin, sickness, the curse, condemnation, death, discouragement, fear, Jesus has entered in. He didn't enter in as the divine one. He entered in as the man, the son of man. He entered in presenting his own blood behind the veil in the inner sanctuary, in that one that is made in the heavenlies. This is where he's entered in, and he's entered in to the divine throne. He's entered into the divine sanctuary to represent us that his victory as a man would be imparted to us as men and women in this generation right now. Right now, we are partakers. Right now, we are partakers. We have this hope as an anchor to our mind, our will, our emotions, our reasoning, our imagination. We have this hope that we have one who's entered in, one who's victorious, one who represents us, one who has assured us victory. We have this hope, and this hope is an anchor to the soul. There's something to meditate on right there. How many of you know meditation is good? Amen? Psalm 1, 1 and 2. It's good to meditate on what God has done. It's good to meditate, meditate the Word. Amen? It's good to muse. It's good to mull over. It's good to think on what God has done. It's good to rehearse and recount what God has done. This is, a, this is part of us framing, uh, framing our inner man, framing our heart rightly. Biblical hope, as outlined in Scripture, is a spiritual power. It's a spiritual force reinforced by the Holy Spirit Himself. Listen to Romans 8.28, and I know that you know it well because it's one of my favorites. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. What happens when I grab my mind and I begin to think on that? I begin to read that. I begin to read it out loud. I begin to pray it over my heart. I begin to encourage myself in it. What happens is it releases the Holy Spirit's gift, the Holy Spirit's power of hope to stabilize my soul against what, it, what could pull it off in the feeling realm, in the imagination realm. Yeah? I don't think we have to, I, I don't think we have to move even one 
degree off of a navigational point. This anchor can be so firm, we don't have to move even one degree off of a navigational point. Amen? Yeah? Last week, unfortunately, under interesting circumstances that we may save for a different sermon, we learned how to discover navigational points on our cell phone. Because the Wolf family was up in the mountains lost on snowmobiles. We'll tell you more about that, a different sermon. (laughs) Mrs. Wolf says we weren't lost, they just couldn't find us. So we're trying to, so, so we, found, we found that we could identify our navigational points of reference and then we could send those to others that, that, that your GPS will show you exactly where you're located, right? I believe that biblical hope is this strong, that we don't have to settle for anything less. Don't let the enemy, don't let despair, don't let, don't let anything trick you, deceive you into thinking that you have to be pulled off of your stable point of being anchored in the Word, being anchored in God's victory over you. Romans 8.32, another great scripture, and there's so many. The Word is filled with great scriptures that give us hope, that feed, that fuel hope. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also give us all things? You know what I just realized? This is hilarious. I just realized this is a one-hour service. I was just getting warmed up. Okay, I want to tell you two, in closing, I want to give you two things that I think are very important about biblical hope. One is biblical hope actually floods and bathes your mind when you're absent of a word from God. It actually will flood, bathe, it will sanctify your mind when you're absent of a word from God. That hope, based on God's Word, will prepare you for a word. Hope, based on God's Word, will prepare your heart for a word. That those who hope in God, those who hope in the Lord, those who look to God, those who bathe their minds with the positive Promises of God are preparing their heart to receive a word from God. They're preparing their heart for a merry kind of experience, a visitation. Faith comes from hearing. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. If you will bathe your mind in the Word of God, in the promises of God, you will prepare a welcome environment for a word from God to come and visit you. 
And that word from God will take you to the next place. But you, you have a responsibility to press into these promises that are yours to cultivate then the awakening of hope within you. To live out of hope that the word, that the specific word for you will visit you to carry you into that next place. Number one. Number two, hope is very interesting. Hope is what carries you. Hope is the biblical, it's the spiritual power that carries you until the word is fulfilled. Have you received a word? Have you, have you had the voice of the Lord? Have you had a promise come to you? Speak directly to you, Lonnie, to you, Joe, to you, Jonathan. To any one of you, a specific word has come to you. You know you heard from God, and yet that time between the hearing and the fulfillment, there's a lingering. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Hope is the spiritual gift. It is the gift from God that actually keeps you anticipating the goodness of God between the giving of the word and the receiving of the answer. I want to read you a couple of verses. Hope holds you. It's an anchor to your soul. Hope holds you until the promises are fulfilled. Now, Chris and I never talked about the morning service. fact is he didn't know he was going to be the MC until about 35 minutes, uh, an hour ago. Jasmine and I never planned the songs today. We never even talked about the songs today, but we sang about hope today. Chris comes up here talking about promises today. He didn't know I was going to be talking about stuff like this. This is the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Be encouraged today. A heart set upon the goodness of God is preparing you to receive more from Him. Another word that will lift and carry you. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in the meantime, until that word is fulfilled, the Holy Spirit will actually buoy, will actually carry, will actually support, will actually stabilize you with hope. Hope will stabilize you and keep you fixed in one particular navigational spot. Not moved around by everything that's saying it's not going to happen. And it's not going to, and you should look at this and look at that. And, and there's so much you should, uh, and, 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 and have you thought about this? And something grabbing your imagination and grabbing and trying to pull you into an unanchored life, a life of despairing, a life of fear, a life of dread, a life of discouragement. And now the band can come as we're moving into the second closing. I want to read these verses to you while they're coming and preparing, and then we'll close. And it will be just a hair more than a one-hour service. Maybe we started late. I'm thinking. I'm thinking we probably started late, and so this is a one-hour service. Listen, listen, I want you to hear this because these scriptures flow out of out of the word for hope. And there's an interchangeable word for hope and for trust 
out of the Old and the New Testament. I want you to hear this. Psalm 27, 13. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such that breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But listen to verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Now, this, this whole passage is, is, is giving you this framework that hope, hope is this steadfast waiting. Hope is this strength of inner imagination, positive expectation. But it's not man-produced. It's not man-produced. It's bubbling up from the inside of your heart. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Come on, stand with me. I'm going to read Psalm 40 and we'll close this morning. Psalm 40, verse 1. Psalm 40, 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. Wow. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto my cry. He heard my cry, and He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, who does not turn aside the lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wondrous works which you've done, and your thoughts toward us. They cannot all be recounted. If I were to declare and speak of them, they're more than can be numbered. I waited patiently for the Lord. Come on, just hold your hands up this morning. Just in a receiving of heart, a receiving. Lord, we welcome your hope to flood our lives. The hope of your victory. The hope of your victory. The hope wherein you have entered beyond the the veil. You've entered into the holy of holies. You've presented your blood on our behalf. You've redeemed us fully that we might share in your victory. And this is an anchor to our soul. We rejoice in you today. And we welcome the spiritual power, the Holy Spirit of hope to dwell in us, to energize us, to move through us, to dominate the inward conscious and subconscious framework of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.